0: in a world driven by selfies and social media where empathy and entrepreneurs are considered contradictory. One podcast has set out to put empathy back in the boardroom by hearing from the best entrepreneurs around the world. Empathize It will hear from the leaders of the digital economy and learn how the soft skills drive their business. This is the Empathize It podcast. Hi. Hello, hey Emily, how are you? Sorry about the technical failure before.
1: It's okay, we figured it out.
0: <laughs> That's the best thing. Yes. Uh, awesome. So I'm gonna go uh, start ahead. But uh, what I, I really first I wanted to say thank you for taking the time mm-hmm. uh, about all of this, and um, really would love to uh, get things started. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna since it's recording, but I'll t- edit it out afterwards. Anyways, the way it usually works is I. Ask you just kind of like introduce yourself a little bit, who you are, what you've done, or what you've been doing, what you're doing, and then we'll just ask some questions along the way about uh, uh, things about your successes and uh, the like. You know, the topic that we discussed. Okay. Awesome. So, good afternoon, Emily. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm really good. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. So, I'm with Emily Schrader, who um, has a really amazing. History of doing some really great things on social media. So I'm gonna allow Emily to introduce herself before we start getting into some of the fun questions that uh, we've set up. So Emily, it's all yours.
1: Yes, so uh, as you mentioned, my name is Emily. Uh, I've been involved in uh, Israel advocacy and sort of that political realm with Israel for many years, I guess almost a decade now. And I'm originally from Los Angeles, but I I met Aliyah and I moved to Israel four years ago, almost exactly, and mm-hmm. I moved here to lead the digital team at Stand With Us, which is one of the largest pro-Israel organizations. Um, and through that, I've uh, I've sort of built up the digital presence of the organization um, to something huge in the in the pro-Israel world. Um, and I've also done like a lot of projects on the side and worked with different. Um, organizations and on different campaigns uh through social media. So my my background in in marketing and uh, pol- politics actually also is on the social media side uh, when it comes to organic marketing and and that type of stuff. So yeah, that's a little about me.
0: Well, before you you're being a little uh, humble here. I love people who are a little bit humble on their on their successes, but why don't you give us a little taste of what the success of uh, your your success or your input and your insights have been able to uh, land for the uh, for stand with us? I know you just recently left, but um, what were some of the successes that during the time that you were there? What was the or uh, some of those nice metrics that everyone likes to hear about?
1: Oh boy, you want to get into the specifics right away? We're only a few minutes in. <laughs>
0: no, just just to, just to wet the palate a little bit. Then we'll get kind of we'll take a step back.
1: Right, right. So I was with Stand With Us in particular for eight years. Um, And as you mentioned, I did, well, actually, I still work there, but I will be finishing up there at the end of this month, moving on to to new opportunities. But at Stand With Us, uh, one of the campaigns that I did was the passport campaign. Um, During Israel's operation in 2014, there was... Endless chatter on social media from all different angles about all different issues. Everybody, what was was talking about? What was going on with Israel and Gaza? Um, and we saw an opportunity there to to garner up support, not necessarily even for Israel or what the IDF is doing, but to unite around something that everyone should be against, including Palestinians, and that is the abuse um, of Hamas in the Gaza Strip and how they're treating their own people. So we called on people through our social media to submit photos of wherever they're from. It can be a passport or a flag or something that represents them. Uh, And right on their hand, I support Israel against Hamas. And we ended up getting, I don't know, two or 3,000 submissions just to our personal social media uh, on the the page, our Facebook page itself. And we had submissions from 145 different countries, including uh, the Palestinian territories, which was very interesting. And um, this campaign was it was covered by Mashable and uh, BuzzFeed wrote about it. A whole bunch of people wrote about that the campaign. And what it did was really it showed that even though there are countries who have certain political policies towards the state of Israel, we saw that there are citizens even from places like Iran or from the Palestinian territories who understand what's going on and understand that Hamas really is responsible for the violence and what's going on. Um, In terms of metrics, one of our, one of the (laughs) peak time in our in our peak, uh, we reached 105 million people in one week alone on Facebook. Uh, Obviously, I'm sure (laughs) you know that Facebook has gone through many many algorithm changes over the years. Um, so now things are a little bit different I wasn't I
0: wasn't, I wasn't aware. No, I'm just kidding. just
1: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so obviously things are a little bit different, you know, whereas before people were very focused on likes and the like count, it's shifted to video views and then uh, to followers. So it's constantly changing. um everything on social media is a ever evolving landscape. Um, but we have seen some extremely uh, extremely big numbers through stand with us um, on a number of different content that we posted. In 2017, we had 118 million video views um, over 10 seconds. And yeah, we're we're working all the time to put out different content and to utilize new features. And it's just been a, an ever-evolving game, like I mentioned.
0: So these <laughs> metrics are, you know, to, to me at least, and even to anyone who works in the social media s- uh, sphere, those kind of metrics are... Impressive, you know, from the organic perspective and even from a paid perspective, those are impressive metrics. There has to be some sort of, you know, beyond just your content, behind your content strategy itself, there has to be some sort of uh, mindset or process of what you're doing in terms of getting to the right, um, you know, getting the right content, the right material, the right choice of words uh, out there to the audience. What was the you know what's the secret sauce there what besides just a content strategy overall and a social strategy but what was the you know what's the what's the secret sauce of uh, of the organization that was able to reach those impressive numbers
1: well i think there's a few things and this doesn't just go for stand with us this goes for for pretty much any social media but especially when it comes to politics or issue-based um content on social media that a lot of times charities um, they don't have huge budgets, you know, they don't have multi-million dollar advertising campaigns to work with. Um, that forces you to be very creative um, in both in the content that you create and and the language that you use. Um, but it also, it forces you to, to think outside the box. And so I think that's how we really approached it and how we... <laughs> How do I explain? You can edit this part, right?
0: Yeah, sure, if you want me to. Okay.
1: Um, okay, can you repeat the question?
0: Sure, I was basically saying is there has to be something, you said it, you, you mentioned it, you mentioned the idea of creativity, the idea of being creative and using what you have, or being kind of like bootstrapped, if you will, to, especially for nonprofit organizations, to get that major um, push or the major, you know, Successes are and the, and the reach that you got and this and the social social media metrics successfully uh, success that you had, there has to be some sort of secret sauce that you did you know not just creativity but something that was driving the the information or driving driving the organization to reach that point. What what was that secret sauce?
1: Right. Okay. So I think that yeah I think that there's a couple things, a couple things that other charities not to stand with us can do. Uh, To utilize and maximize organic reach and the first thing that we did, and then I continue to do is partnerships so working with influencers and with other organizations who also have reach, even if it may not be as big um, to partner on different campaigns. Um, to find common ground, you know, the same way you do in a marketing funnel, how the, you know, the goal of the company and the goal of the the customer is to find that shared value, why it benefits both people. It's the same thing. It's just a different approach because you're doing it based on ideas. Um, And the other thing that we did was, and honestly, if I, if I could give one piece of advice about marketing for politics or for anything related to this field, Um, This would be it. (laughs) This is the secret sauce. Uh, No, but actually, um, timing, timing. I think this was the number one thing that really set Stand With Us apart from uh, other similar organizations, at least on social media, is that we were on it. Whenever something happened, we were one of, if not the first person to create a video, to comment on it, to respond to people, to answer questions. Like if you are present, if you show up and if you're first, especially if you're first to break the story, um, that travels. And with the way that the algorithms are today, whether that be on Twitter or on Instagram or especially on Facebook, that really is half the battle.
0: So so timing the timing the content which is critical of course with spe- like you said especially with the new algorithm change but also to be to be the first person out there with the information or the material so that means that you have to have a team of people who are available to you all the time so that way in case there's breaking news in the middle of the night or because of the different time zones so what is the t- what is that what did you you know how did you create that uh, you know that team or how did you create that Uh, that series of, uh, you know, making sure that you covered all the time zones. Right. Um, So when I
1: started at Stand With Us, I was... Unless I
0: was going to ask the question, is it just a team of one? But I would imagine that it's not.
1: It's not now. No, I I did build up the team from from scratch. Uh, We had almost nothing at Stand With Us, and it was just me for quite a while. And then I had... uh, a fabulous intern for a while and then from there we decided to move the department and expand to Israel so I actually started doing all of this in Los Angeles by myself and um, I, uh, I'll be honest there was no trick or secret or you know uh, unlimited funding to make this happen it was really just blood sweat and tears
0: okay.
1: <laughs> from the beginning that's the best um, that's the- I didn't sleep yeah very much at all um, and also it requires, and and I believe this is the case for, for any social media field, it requires someone who really understands the landscape and the political issues and who the players are and how you can use the things that happen um, to tell the story that your company or that you or that your organization wants to tell. Um, And fulfill the mission by understanding how that interacts with the things around you. And by the way, that doesn't just go for, you know, in my case, it has been mostly for political issues. But that really goes for anything. You know, if this week is um, the Grammys. Okay, I know they just happened. But if this week is the Grammys, like you need to tap into that and you need to understand. Okay, how can that relate to the mission of my company or companies? And and how can I create content centered around where people are? You don't just want to bring people to you; you want to go where people are.
0: Right, and that so yesterday was April Fool's, so that's the same kind of applying the same theory is how can we make April Fool's relative, uh, you know, applicable or relatable to what our brand or our company or organization does? Obviously, doing it in a way that's you know, sensitive to the organization and not trying to force it, but doing it in a way that's creative, that's fun, uh, that that speaks to your audience and is relevant to your audience.
1: Right, right,
0: of course. Um,
1: I don't know if you... Yeah. No, go ahead. <laughs> oh, you go
0: ahead. You said, I don't know that.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, I don't know if you saw, but... Uh... But yesterday, actually, the Ministry of Strategic Affairs posted a, a story for April Fool's that Roger Waters, who's like a notorious anti-Israel activist, he was in Pink Floyd. Um, he's been very vocal and active against Israel and in the, the movement to, to boycott Israel culturally. Um, he's famous for it, <laughs> not just for Pink Floyd, also for that. So they posted this just sort of to troll him. And he went ballistic (laughs) on social media. He was really, really upset about it, and it it worked great for them because they're getting more coverage for something that was just, you know, lighthearted and funny for April Fools. And also, in the message, it worked better for him for them because it makes him seem so absurd. You know, why are you getting all upset about an April Fools' joke? Right. So, yeah, there's a lot of, there's endless potential of things that you can do, even in ways that you might not think of. You know, you wouldn't necessarily think that a government ministry should be doing an April Fool's joke, but on social media, a lot of these boundaries are very different.
0: Yeah. So the boundaries are different. The timing is critical and making sure that the message is clear. But also, like you said, is there's a, a big amount, and that's really what makes a lot of organizations, you know, limited is that their willingness to find the um, the staff and the people, A, who understand social media, B, who are willing to put in the time, invest the time, which a lot of mission-driven organizations and not necessarily only nonprofits uh, sometimes miss is that they, they get the person who's on social media, but they make sure that they understand how much time and effort and resources are inv- invested and are necessary, not necessarily monetary resources, but just the time and the creativity and allowing them to be a little bit more, you know, uh, push the envelope a little bit more. So you mentioned that as well when you understand when you once you got it and once you got you know once it clicked in your mind to do this kind of thing and to understand the the, the, the landscape which you know I've I've been watching and uh, and seeing your content for years so I know that you understand it what is it that um, you know you have to you know your audience you know what they're looking for how is it that you were able to make sure that the um, the content reflect that knowledge you know how is make sure that you you really get them you understand that that point of view because you must have people from all across the world who are following uh, very, you know this in this case uh, stand with us the organization how would it make sure that you make that you get that content you know spot on as opposed to, trying to say something that might be you know misconstrued or it may taken the wrong way
1: wow uh, well i must say this has been ongoing, one of the biggest challenges for me uh, in the role at Stand With Us, because the audience is broad. I mean, the mission of the company is to educate for Israel around the world, and that's pretty broad. (laughs) You know, we operate in 18 languages. Um, Arabic is actually our second biggest. And obviously, the uh, discussion surrounding the state of Israel in the Arab world is very, very different. The messaging is very, very different than what it's going to be for a Western audience um so this has been and you know probably will always continue to be an ongoing challenge Mm
0: -hmm.
1: obviously we have our base supporters um and there's a lot of content that we create that goes out to that um we as a priority we make an effort to target a little over 50 between 50 and 60 percent of our content towards our base and the rest of it our goal is to reach outside of people who like the Stand With Us page, for example. So we do have a lot of content, um, sometimes paid content, although we have a very small budget as a nonprofit, but sometimes content um, that is only in ads targeted towards specific groups because it might alienate the other groups. Um, so we're constantly creating content from multiple audiences and it, truthfully, <laughs> I'll be honest, Sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of times people from, you know, the other side of the political spectrum or from a different community, they might not like the content. Mm -hmm. They might not like it. Um, And they complain about it and they say, you shouldn't do this. And then the next day, the person who liked the content from the day before said, you shouldn't be doing this. You should be doing something else. So um, Mm -hmm. it's one of the one of the the thing that makes working in social media and content creation, especially for social media, so difficult, especially in a political discussion, is that everyone has an opinion. Everyone has an opinion um, from every direction. And you know, there's always someone who thinks you're wrong and there's always someone who thinks you're right. And it's an ongoing discussion and it will continue <laughs> to go on. So but, um,
0: getting to know that audience, and obviously like you said, you're 50 to 60% and targeting those and choosing to get those people right as opposed to trying to get everyone right is obviously the, you know the the correct method, especially when you have such a broad audience from so many different countries. You'll always there'll always be some sort of word choice or some sort of you know nuance that one 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 side or the other, like you said, will find. I won't say offensive, but will find some sort of you know controversial or might find it some sort of you know say that you might find it a little bit off. So getting to know that audience, even if you know the audience, let's say you have that fifty to sixty percent of the people that you do know and you understand their. Uh, their mindset in some way, have you ever done test cases or test, you know, um, group, you know, kind of like, uh, I guess you call them like uh, focus groups or things like that to make sure that the messaging is right? Or is there any way to better understand their perspective before, you know, going live with the campaign?
1: Um, We have, we have done that kind of work, but mostly with our students uh, in the United States. And our social media is a little bit different, at least uh, in our primary language in English, the main the main Facebook page. Um, so it's not as focused on what, the stu- what works with the students because a lot of times they're more heavily invested in, say, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict than your average person looking at Facebook. So we're sort of targeting a, a broader, generic uh, pro-Israel gotcha. persona than the people who are heavily involved with stand with us gotcha so there's different levels uh, that being said we also have um you know there's the people who like the page and then there's the people who engage and and message the page and those people you know will invite them to be part of our whatsapp group or we'll invite them to sign up for emails or or for our facebook group for activists who are super involved so there's different levels of involvement that we've created just the same way as you could you would create uh, a sales funnel it's just that we're not selling a product we're selling an idea and i mean ultimately at the end of the day in marketing <laughs> that's what you should be selling in sales too right
0: um
1: is an idea if you're effective right
0: so, so- you're sending sending this mission you're sending this concept but at the end of the day the organization is a nonprofit so there has to be some sort of connection or back buy and back into some sort of like uh call call to action besides just activity on social media which is important and, and don't get me wrong especially when those with those impressive metrics but there has to be some sort of ask to make sure that the organization can continue to support itself is that part of the process along the way to make sure that they you know your work and the other work of the the entire organization is is doing is there some sort of tie back into some sort of uh you know let's call it fundraising effort
1: right so we have done crowdfunding campaigns a couple of times on social media i'll be honest i don't love them
0: <laughs> I, have, I have i happen um, to agree with you crowdfunding campaigns in my in general i'm not a big fan of for especially for nonprofits. profits yeah. for non-profits spe- specifically uh especially the platforms not because i'm against the platforms or against non-profits but i think the overlap between the two um is something that like you probably just said it very briefly but i have a very i have a big um i, I question the whole concept myself as well because because it's selling something not necessarily as accurate as a product. Um, that's my kind of. It's a platform meant more right. more for a product as opposed to a mission driven kind of campaign. And I once heard a conversation about it at a conference, and I was, you know, I almost uh, you know let out like a scream saying, "This is not what you're really doing is incorrect." Uh, and it was actually a, a conference about nonprofits and using and fundraising, um, but there's it's a whole other conversation for that. But so let's put that aside. I happen to agree with you. So crowdfunding campaigns are not necessarily the right way to go. But do you, are you are you measuring traffic besides just, you know, likes and engagement? Are you measuring traffic back to a site that will allow people to uh, allow the donors or allow, um, you know, the data to be then give you a report back and saying is, OK, this content is not only successful on social, but it's also successful or bringing people back to the site to get more information or more content?
1: sure um just i just wanted to add one more thing about crowdfunding it's interesting that you said that um it's interesting that you said that the that you think that it's misguided for uh, mission-driven organizations because i first of all i agree with you completely (laughs) But also when we have done crowdfunding on social media um, in a few instances, it's been very, very selective and very targeted. It hasn't been to fundraise for the nonprofit. And and I'll give you an example. During the operation that Israel had with Gaza in 2014, yes, 2014, um, we did a crowdfunding campaign um, specifically to raise money for uh, soldiers to bring them food and to to help um, the IDF basically. And that was extremely successful. And, you know, I think we raised, I don't know, forty thousand, fifty thousand dollars or something. And then after that, everyone was like, Oh, Emily, we have to, we have to do crowdfunding. We have to do crowdfunding thinking that every time we do a crowdfunding campaign, we're going to get, you know, $50,000. Well, no, (laughs) because people weren't just giving, you know, $20 or a hundred dollars or whatever, because they support, Stand with us, or the work of Stand with us. They were giving money because it was a crisis situation. It was a very specific mission, and it was very clear where that money was going.
0: And and so, to be honest, I would imagine that most of the money that was r- raised was, I hope, uh, for the sake of transparency, most of that money was not necessarily going directly to you or to the organization. It was mostly going back to the soldiers and back to the to the you know to the f- the end the end recipient. Meaning, oh so-
1: yeah, of course. Of so, course, all of it was, right, yeah.
0: right, but, but we
1: did the same thing with the arson attacks against farmers in southern Israel when there were a whole bunch of them. Just a few months ago, we raised money for that and the same thing. Um, it wasn't as successful as the as raising money for you know soldiers, but we did raise uh, tens of thousands of dollars and we did go and deliver a check personally uh, to a number of farmers down in the south to help them restore their uh, crops that were burnt by the arson attacks but again that was a very specific thing with a specific mission um and we we carried it out and we showed how it was carried out um in regards to your other question about tracking analytics and knowing you know if there's if there's any purpose to what what the content that we're putting out um yes <laughs> we developed a platform and it's we call it the action center but basically it's like change.org except it also has an integration where you can automatically email a recipient that we decide with a letter that we write unless they want to write their own letter for specific actions so um we realized this was a need after i think it was unesco passed a few resolutions against uh, denying jewish connection to jerusalem or something like that we we ran a petition um, and I think this actually was on change.org, if I remember correctly. Um, and it had like 85,000 signatures. And these are all signatures who could have, you know, opted into our newsletter um, or, you know, been made aware of future, future campaigns for us as opposed to just being, being in the change.org system. So we decided to move forward and build our own that was not just a petition, but could also actually send the emails. And um, we, you know, when the Airbnb, when they issued a policy that was discriminatory against uh, communities that were Israeli communities only that were over the green line, uh, we had people write letters to the CEO of Airbnb. And uh, we wrote a sample letter and they could opt in or opt out. And we ended up sending 8,000, over 8,000 emails to the CEO of Airbnb. Um, and so this is a tool that we use a lot to drive traffic, not for purposes of sales or or something like that, but to drive action in the real world.
0: That that is exactly what I was I, I was getting to is really that that point where you know the organization has to think beyond just you know raising the money for itself, which is important and not no one denying that, but it's more important being like you said before is making sure that you can drive the results and drive the. The community, which is a very strong community, uh, of, at least from stand with us that I know, it's a strong community. And yes, they they like the fact that stand with us, stand with us, stand with us exists. But more importantly, is that they they are they are connected to the, the mission of the organization. So they want to see that the the organ the mission is actually being uh, integrated and implemented throughout and all the, and consistently. So by doing it in a way that's you know relevant easy because i'm imagining based on change.org which i know also change.org also creates it makes it very easy for the for the the consumer the customer to you know put it put you know to it to be part of a larger mission so you've created that kind of you know seamless you know experience for the the end customer the reader the person around the world so to me that makes it, it sounds like you really understand where the person is you know who the consumer is who you're you know you're target audiences to make sure that they understand that they are socially active, meaning on social media, they want to make it easy and simplify the process for them and also they're connecting it to their to your mission at all times so that way it's very, um, you know, relatable, action you know, action. I think I
1: lost
0: you. You lost me. I'm, still- are you, I'm here, are you hearing me now?
1: Okay, yep. Okay.
0: So uh, I was saying is that the Stand with us has done is basically created like a seamless experience for its consumers or its uh, readers by making, creating this platform that allows them to be advocates uh, in a way that's, you know, socially, me- you know, social media friendly or at least digital friendly. You know what they're looking to, what they're trying to do or what they're try- their mission is, meaning they want to help uh, promote mm-hmm, Israel mm-hmm. in some way. They want to promote a positive a change in, uh, t- towards Israel and also you're making it. Uh, easy for them
1: right and i i think that making it simple is one of the keys to social media you know uh, whether it's good or bad we can debate until the end of the day but people like things you know people like to feel like they're doing something to have an impact on social media you know armchair activism but all of these small actions that they take they do make a difference i mean look at what the bds movement did with like um lord or lana del rey even if a lot of them were bots, it looks like there's a lot. It looks like there's a lot of opposition. And that's one of the things that has been a priority and is an ongoing challenge um, when it comes to, I guess, pro-Israel activism in particular on social media is that we need to get numbers. We need to get a lot of people doing very small things. And, you know, in the, the platform that we created for the emails and that type of stuff, that's a little bit more involved. Uh, we also have... Uh, groups, uh, even WhatsApp groups for specific actions. So you know, we work with one of our partners is ACT-IL at the IDC, and we work with them when they have, uh, you know, they'll have someone leave a comment and then we'll send it out to all of our activists who want to be involved, who want to take these small steps and they'll all like that comment, you know, on the New York Times article about Israel, for example. Right. So. Because the way, you know, I'm sure you know, but the way social media works is the more a a comment is upvoted, the more it appears on the newsfeed of others. So if there's an article that's, you know, very wrong or the headline is just completely biased, um, we want to call that out. We want to take action. And one of the most common questions I get when I do social media workshops or trainings is people are like, well should i engage like is it even worth me being in you know commenting on a page that's anti-israel because then lots of people you know will leave bad comments or i won't convince anyone or any of that that's true that's true if there is a a biased or hateful comment you will not convince that other person to change their mind but the thing about social media is that if you don't comment first of all someone else will And second of all, if you do comment, you're not convincing the person you're responding to or the person you're talking to. You're doing it so that everyone else can see it because you never know who's looking at those things. You never know when the link that you provide disproving some false claim, um, someone will click on it and learn more about Israel. You don't know what kind of ripple effect those actions can have. So... I always tell people that unlike in real life <laughs> when maybe it's not a good use of your time to debate with someone responding or responding a couple of times at least is a good thing on social media. Almost always it's a good thing.
0: Yep. So now let me ask the question that's kind of moves <laughs> from the next step is okay. You've, you've decided to, uh, you know, take a you know, step down from this position, which is, I think is, you know, it's, it's fair. It's, it's uh, you know, I think it's great that you're doing something moving on. What What is Emily doing next?
1: Oh boy, what a question! Wow. Um, so I am I am switching gears a little bit. I'll be moving more into high tech. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to be working with a startup in marketing there, um, and I will also be working on some projects on the side um, and building up my my business, um, new business, and <coughs> and. Yeah, that's the that's the plan for the immediate future. Okay, it, um, you're talking to me just uh, just a few weeks out from, from wrapping up at Stan With Us, so I don't have all my my ducks in a row. But that's the tentative plan, and
0: uh, that's, that's... I'm
1: really excited to take on a new sphere.
0: Okay, so what is the, besides managing organization and mega uh, social media, you know, platform which what that you've been doing for now for a while.
1: though. Oh, no, I think I lost you again.
0: No, I hear you. Do you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Okay. So I was asking is I'll have to edit that. What does Emily do on the side or our our side projects or fun things that Emily does besides managing this mega community that is stand with us uh, to make sure that not only is she contributing to the conversation, but also more importantly, uh, to to learn more and to make sure that uh, she's staying relevant
1: I think one of, the, one of the things I most enjoy doing, and probably this is part of the reason I was successful with Stand With Us, at least at the beginning, is because um, I'm very political. Even if I don't take one side or the other, I, I read a lot, a lot. Um, I like to be informed about what's going on, and I like to look for new ways to connect the things that I read about with the issues that I care about. Um, so I do that a lot in, in my personal social media, um, and I write a lot. I was actually, I was a freelance writer before I was at Stanworth as I've, I've contributed to Jerusalem Post and, and many other publications over the years on a variety of issues, uh, usually political and sometimes social media related. Um, mm-hmm. And I plan to continue doing that and, and perhaps be more active than I was both in issues of women's rights and feminism around the world um, and also social media. Um, I think one of the things that I have really learned the hard way, maybe, um, about working in this field or this this niche within marketing is that it's um, it can be exhausting. You know, it can be very very heavy and and negative, and people are not nice, <laughs> and it's a big problem. Even you know, even if they're nice to me personally, of course, but online, you know, you have this anonymity, and and I think that over time people. People underestimate how dangerous that can be. And unfortunately, now we, in Israel, I guess we've known this for a while with the the wave of stabbing attacks, and many of them were social media related and or inspired also with ISIS and how they used social media a few years ago. But this is a relatively new thing. And then the unfortunate reality is that we see these smaller sort of secret social media channels popping up now with uh, white nationalists and neo-Nazi groups and and you know okay maybe there's only a couple of incidents of violence but a couple is a couple is enough a couple is too much so i think that uh, i want to continue speaking about this issue and educating people about um, not only the power of social media for good but the power of social media for bad um, and how careful we need to be uh, when approaching this issue especially with politics
0: awesome so I wanted to say uh, I like to keep the podcast generally short because I think it's important to keep them on point. Uh, so I want to, first of all, say thank you so much for your time and insights, because I really I've learned a lot about even someone who works in social media. I've learned a lot about what it means to work with such a mega organization and working with such a broad stroke of uh, community a community, because it's really important to understand and be sensitive to that. So well, I
1: didn't even get to talk about our Arabic.
0: Well, we'll have to we'll have to save that for another time. Which I think that's Right. Awesome. But um, I really want to thank you, Emily, and I want to also uh, wish you good luck in the next in your next uh, future endeavors. And uh, I that uh, it will be successful. And I really look forward to seeing how you can uh, take what you've learned from Stand With Us and now moving it to the next level to the uh, to next.
1: Okay. Great. Thanks so much for having me.
0: All the best. Thank good you. Bye. Be sure to sign up for the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember the next time you're doing business in the digital economy, make sure to empathize it.